Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Travis Hornsby. Travis, are you ready to do this? Oh, let's go. Excellent. Let's let's do this. Travis is a CFA. He is the founder and CEO of Student Loan Planner. I'm excited to have you back on the show. Travis, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my wife's a physician. She had some student loan debt. Uh, quite a bit of it, actually, and uh, and I used to be a bond trader, you know, making money for rich people, and kind of felt like, huh, maybe I should uh, do something that helps the little guy out a little bit more, because uh, you know, student loans pretty complicated, and so I took that bond trading kind of skill, which was really helpful to understand student loans because of how complex it was, and then I've made this company just kind of helping people. I started off helping friends, and then started making content about student loans, and people started reading it. And, uh, and I thought, shoot, man, this is a lot of fun. So I'm just going to go try to save people as much money as possible on student loans and help them get forgiveness. So I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, normally we'd be going to Cardinals games this time of year, but obviously that's uh, out the window. So, you know, just kind of sheltering at home and trying to make the best of it. Yeah, I appreciate that. So we are having this conversation on June the 15th, just, just, just for level setting for everybody. Um, What's what's top of mind for you right now? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to extend the student loan interest freeze. You know, so they had the the CARES Act, which gave much needed relief to a lot of people, especially also to student loan borrowers. So you saw them pause student loan interest on federal student loans until September thirtieth, twenty twenty, and uh, and then there was a follow up bill that came from House Democrats that said let's extend it to September thirtieth, twenty twenty one for another year. Um. We'll see what's going to happen with this upcoming, uh, you know, upcoming bill that they're talking about. Um, you know, I think that it's just going to be real interesting to see how we come out of this, honestly. I mean, you know, like you said, it's kind of like really important right now to give people context about when you're recording an episode uh, because of just how much everything changes in 24 hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it seems like people, as we're recording this, people are suddenly getting a little bit more worried that, hey, maybe this thing hasn't been contained and maybe there's a second wave coming which is going to have negative economic impacts. So I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, like like a lot of people, I think, you know, just the, the everything that's going on is sort of top of mind for me. Um, in terms of student loan borrowers, though, I mean, the, the interesting thing about all this change is there are a lot of things that impact your short-term plan for your student loans, but, like, the long-term really isn't that different because of this. And when I say long-term, you know, I'm talking, like, decades. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, nothing about my life or your life or the listener's life needs to be any different because of everything that's happened with COVID-19. Um, you know, I mean, there's, uh, that, that's the good news, right? Like, cause if you think about it, fast forward 10 years from now, I mean, I'm pretty sure that everybody's saying like, we're never going to shake hands again. We're never going to hug people again. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. And so the same thing, it's like student loans too you know, the stuff that, that changes in the short term can have some major impacts on how you handle things, you know, for the next year or two. But, you know, when you're talking like really long term, you know, you still want to have the same approach to your student loans as you would, you know, even if this thing never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a little bit of perspective is always a valuable thing. So before any of this happened, were there certain trends going on in student loans or was it just kind of business as usual? 
Well, the you know the student loan balances in America were actually falling. I mean, the economy was really good. People were actually paying their loans down. I mean, yeah, there was, there was a high default rate, but the default rate was declining. Uh, so you were kind of seeing exactly what you would expect in a great economy. You see people actually having jobs, getting you know things that justified the cost, paying down their debt, right? Um, and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, uh, and then it's back. So you know, I think that uh, you know, I mean, I think that the the thing that what I was seeing is it was just the slow boiling student loan crisis was just continuing, which is that you know there's kind of forgiveness uh, costs on an ever expanding amount of debt. Uh, that's not really being understood or looked at. And then, you know, people that have smaller debts, you know, were at least mostly being able to to cover them. Um, so, you know, it was it was sort of business as usual, I think, mostly. Um, you know, I think that the, the big question mark was what are they going to do with student loans in 2020 with the new election, right? So depending on if you have Vice President Biden win or President Trump win re-election, uh, that's going to probably determine a whole lot about, you know, a lot of things with policy. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. Uh, I know, you know, a lot of people, I'll just tell you a personal story. One of my buddies that I, I play, board, we do board game night with, he's got about 30,000 of student loans and, uh, and he could probably try to pay a lot of it back, but he's kind of, every time he gets close to trying to pay it back, he thinks, oh man, what if they pass a bill and, and they do 25,000 of loan forgiveness and then I paid off my loans, you know, uh, I'll be out of luck. So I'm just going to keep him around and wait and see. <laughs> so you know, there's a little bit of that, I think, uh, among people right now, just the uncertainty of everything is just kind of paralyzing people from wanting to do something. I literally forgot in the midst of everything that's happened this year about the whole conversation about student loan forgiveness. I swear to God, I totally spaced that out of my mind somehow just because there's all this new stuff to be kind of kicking around. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean... I think, again, going back to the perspective thing, yeah, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and, you know, life will, who knows. But, yeah, there are so many uncertain things going on right now. All right. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it, it's just, uh, you know, do you think our grandkids are going to believe us when we tell them about this? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. 2020 you know, was a heck of like, a year, kids. You know, yeah, I met your grandma over, uh, you know, the internet, and we said hello, you know, virtually for six months. And I'm just kidding, but um, I mean, my, my youngest brother is, yeah, I mean, my, my youngest brother is dating right now, and uh, you know, he he went on a date the other day in, in this big public park and everything. And I said, you know, Bud, did did you, you know, at least cover up your face? You know, did you wear a face mask? And and he said it was a date, dude. Why would I wear a face mask? I said, well, you know, you should. You show her the your face just to show you know show her what you look like and then you then you cover your face up you know yeah and uh, and he said you know he's one of these you know Gen Z millennial types it's like you know oh come on you know I'm gonna date anyway so I don't know it's just kind of an interesting time and I yeah. think you know I mean I, I you know I think that there's a lot of ways to deal with loss and grief and pain and, and anxiety I think everybody's going through this to some level obviously some much worse than others. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, humor is one of the better ways to deal with this pain. I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just somebody that kind of believes that if you can laugh at, at, at even the worst stuff then it's going to make your life, uh, better. So, um, you know, hopefully people can, uh, can, can, can get with that or at least, you know, suffer my, my bad jokes here. Sure. No, <laughs> I, I certainly appreciate that. So what, from, uh, from, from your perspective, what, what should, uh, young people who have not yet taken out student loans and they're 
and all 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 worrying about covid and everything else aside just from a student loan perspective how how should people who have not taken them out how how should they navigate this process um yes yeah, so if you have not yet gone to college i would personally seriously think about uh what value are you going to get with your degree? Like, so, and, and, and like, and we were talking about this last night because it was this good episode on Netflix with Hassan Minaj's Patriot Act, talking about the cost of college and the value of college. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, a state flagship public university that costs like five to 10,000 a year um, is going to have a fantastic ROI long term, most likely. You know, yeah, if you go and party all the time, don't get a serious degree or something, then yeah, that might not be the case. But that's, generally going to be a great value. The things that we see that are not great values are when people go to a sort of subpar private university that costs 30, 40 grand a year. That's where people really blow up their finances on the undergrad level, right? So I think that just like the no-brainer value of college is now more kind of, it's, it depends. Um, you know, to be honest, if I was a rising freshman, I would consider deferring maybe a year. I mean, if I wanted to have a normal college experience, if I was just focused on getting a degree, then now is a wonderful time to be in college because if you can build a credit towards your degree, at the end of the day, like during a depression or recession kind of environment, that's a great time to be in school. So I'm, I'm telling most people, you know, go to school in the fall. Um, for graduate students, you know, the things that we see there, it's, it's really kind of a messed up system because at the end of the day, what I pay under an income-based plan is, has no connection at all to what I borrowed. Right. It's just a percentage of my income. And that's that's it. So, you know, we see a lot of people that might borrow two hundred thousand dollars and make fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, instead of paying two thousand a month, you can simply pay 10 percent of your income and then save a couple hundred dollars a month in a taxable investment account to cover your uh, tax liability when your student loans are forgiven. And uh, and then that's, you know, actually a manageable cost. And so then the question is, is is grad school worth it? It's kind of like, well, if I can make, you know, if I can take 10% off the top of what I'm going to earn, if that net salary is much, much higher than what I would have made within my undergraduate degree, then that was still a worthwhile decision. So, you know, most people should be going to school anyway, if they feel like their degree program is going to get them a job in something that they would much rather do than anything else. And I think the days of going to law school because you don't know what to do next, it's a bad idea, right? I think people are starting to realize that a little more. Um, but, but, you know, the cost of school continues to go up and up and up because schools are just capturing the excess benefits to the consumer that have existed for so long. So, you know, the spheres of automation are around as well. Uh, people's, you know, kind of the split between college earners and non-college earners, that income difference is going up as well. So college kind of administrators kind of know that they've sort of got you by the throat, so to speak, uh, you know, and, and, and they can kind of, um, you know, they can kind of do whatever they want to, to college costs because they can, you know, they have the, the power, they have, they hold the keys to the system. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that power dynamic shifts back towards the borrower in the coming weeks ahead and months and years ahead. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of a crazy time. And, and I think, you know, you will see a lot of colleges close as they probably should be closing, uh, during this pandemic that just don't have an economic rationale for existing anymore. Yeah, that, that, that certainly will be extremely interesting to see. Do you have a sense of, of when you're going to start seeing universities make colleges make, make those decisions? You know, I think that there'll be, you know, 
you know, I think I saw something that said a few hundred colleges might close because of the pandemic. I mean, you know, a lot of them are going to try to stay open because people hate the idea of failure. People just aren't willing. Very, We're not very well equipped to keep alive, to, to close down an institution that should no longer be around, right? Like, if, you know, for example, there's a ton of churches out there that probably need to merge with other churches, mm. but they don't because it feels like a failure, right? It feels like something that's very emotional to, to do that. And a lot of colleges are going to do the same thing. A lot of colleges are going to, you know, instead of just cutting everything, they're going to cut half of their colleges. You know, they're going to cut, you know, a bunch of their, you know, tenured departments. They're, you know what I mean? They're going to cut back in, until the quality of the product has declined so much that they just feel like, hey, this is really the only option we have is just to let's close it down. So, I mean, my guess is like probably I, I would go on the slower side of things. Like I would say that you're not going to see super fast closures because, you know, I mean, the people at these schools, their primary incentive at that point would be not, you know, the responsibility to the students in the institution. It's responsibility people have to their own jobs, right? I mean, if you're going to close down a school, you're certainly going to try to avoid losing your own job as much as possible. So, you know, I think it'll be kind of slow moving. Um, you know, the higher education groups have certainly called on Congress to issue unbelievably generous uh, terms for people uh, for their student loans, mostly because they're terrified about getting funded, you know, so uh, they're terrified about, you know, the expected income loss. I think I saw it was like 15 percent of their revenues are expected to be down by 15 percent for enrollment or something like that for the fall semester, um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, higher education almost kind of uh, has been used to being, you know, independent of the business cycle, not really that affected what's with what's going on in the broader economy. And suddenly when they're at, you know, the whims of the economy, they don't like it and then they want, you know, special uh, help, which I think with the cost of college, you know, if you're going to, you know, treat students like a business on the, you know, the perspective of them charging you ridiculous expenses, then you've got to take the consequences of treating things like a business when your business doesn't need to exist anymore. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that that, that doesn't really help students a ton, you know, I just sort of me kind of soapboxing a little bit, sure. but you know, the things that can help students, I think, is, you know, the the traditional advice you hear about, oh, you got to make sure you have less debt than your income and, you know, you have to go to, you know, community college first or something. Now, that's kind of true, but it's just a lot more complicated than that. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, going to a flagship state university, I think, is going to have a lot more value than going, you know, two years community college, two years regional state university. Like you're probably going to make a lot more money relative to the cost differential between those two, you know. Likewise, if you go to like Harvard or MIT or Stanford, you're probably going to make a lot more money than going to your state flagship university. But if you're going to like, you know, some private university in your state versus, you know, that state regional university or something, that's probably not a good decision. Right. So unfortunately, there's not an easy answer to this stuff. It's, it's kind of like a lot of shades of gray, a lot of nuance involved. Lots of nuance. I certainly appreciate that. So so we talked a little bit about folks who are getting ready to go to school uh, people who are considering graduate school. What about the the twenty something who is is out in the workforce and has student debt right now? How 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 do you counsel them to 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 plan and organize? Well, so first thing is the um, CARES Act has student loan interest paused and payments paused until September thirtieth, right? So that means keep your payments paused until that point. Like thirty five million people, I think, qualify for that. Uh, so that's a lot of people out there that don't have to make payments. So take advantage of that. Don't go out of your way to try to make payments when you shouldn't be doing that. You know, right now, the best thing you could be doing is putting money away in the bank, saving, 
paying down other kinds of consumer debt that doesn't have an interest freeze and payment freeze on right now. And then the student debt will be there for you to pick back up again when all this stuff is over with. Um, so that would be one suggestion. Um, you know, if you are not thinking about, you know, forgiveness in the right way, a lot of people actually pay on their loans when they should be paying as little as possible. It's a big mistake. I see very recurrent theme. It's basically people will pay on loans that should be going for forgiveness on. Um, so, you know, make sure that you pay the minimum if you need to go for forgiveness. And then on the other side of things, if you know that you need to pay down your debt, then, you know, right now I would say prioritize other things if your loans are federal. But when that interest freeze does end, well, then, you know, don't go out and try to sign up for a five-year repayment term right away. You know, maybe pay a whole bunch of money, but maybe keep it on a longer-term note so that you're not required to pay a ton of money. And that will give you some relief in situations like this when you have, you know, recession impact your ability to make monthly payments. So, you know, I, I think that most people can think about their loans also um, long term, you're going to have even more strategic decisions about, you know, if you're married, do you file taxes separately? Do you take advantage of some loopholes that exist uh, to sign up for certain kinds of repayment programs? Do you, you know, um, take advantage of maximizing your 401k and your HSA to reduce your taxable income so you can pay less than your student loans? So I think there's a lot of things that people can be doing long term for their student loans. And, and the best short term suggestion like I had is just basically not to pay anything. Got it. Nice. Well, Travis, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Worst case scenario, your student loans are a tax, meaning that you'll pay a percentage of your income on your federal student loans, and that's it. So unless that's it, that's a good deal, then take advantage of it and don't feel guilty about it. The good news is, is if paying a percentage of your income is so much worse than paying a flat monthly amount, then you can actually make your debt that flat monthly payment and pay a fixed amount of money every month. So imagine a scenario where the worst case scenario is you have to pay an income tax for your educational cost, and then if you end up becoming too rich, you're actually able to buy your way out of that tax by paying a flat monthly fee. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. Nice. I think that that's a great way to frame that and think about it. So if I go to your website, uh, you, you, this is these are all the questions that you help me answer. Yeah, so like what we do is provide one-on-one customized plans for borrowers that have more than 20000 of student loan debt. Uh, our average person actually owes six figures, and we're typically able to save people tens of thousands of dollars on a projected uh, basis just because there's so many mistakes filing separately for taxes or jointly, picking the right repayment plan, getting subsidies or not subsidies, making sure you're setting up the tax bomb correctly, applying for public service loan forgiveness the right way. You know, that's all we do is make custom plans for people who have a whole lot of debt. And uh, and we love doing it because it's the biggest challenge that a lot of people in their 20s and 30s are facing. And, you know, how are you going to go talk to a, you know, gray-haired financial planner about investing when you've got more debt than some people have on their mortgage, right, on your brain? So that's what we do, and, and we love helping people. So, you know, studentloanplanner.com is the site. And if you go, you'll see in the menu there's a higher us button. If you have a lot of debt in a complex case, you could check that out. And we also have other things like refinancing bonuses and free calculators that you could use to figure out how to save money on your education. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Travis your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to studentloanplanner.com. Check out all the great resources that they've got on the site. And if you're somebody who's got questions and you're confused about what you should be doing if you're missing out on opportunities this sounds like a great resource thanks again travis thanks george
And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.